Welcome to episode nine of the second season of the Golden State International Affairs Observer podcast. I'm Jean-Marc Blanchard, one of your co-hosts for the podcast crafted by myself and Doug McDonald, two Californians in the San Francisco Bay Area. This podcast is a lot shorter than usual, a lot, lot shorter, because the U.S. Congress and our California reps are enjoying their August recess. We still have a lot of interesting content, though, because the world of California MNCs and international relations didn't stop moving in July and August, and neither did we. Our podcast, for you newbies, shines light on California congressional representatives and the largest California corporations' foreign affairs-related activities to keep them golden and you informed. Before starting our show, I want to thank our loyal sponsor, the Mr. and Mrs. S.H. Wong Center for the Study of Multinational Corporations, also known as the Wong MNC Center, for its support because this support enables us to do the California Corporation segment of the podcast. Well, in this case, it happens to be (laughs) the entire podcast. None of the content of our podcast reflects the official views of the Wong MNC Center or its board of directors. In the next segment, Doug will tackle some big news that swirled around Barbie, Warner Brothers film group Massive Summer Hit. Take it away, Doug. Thanks, John Mark. I can't believe you finally gave me the opportunity to do part of the California MNCs and international relations segment and without threats of coercion or unexpected plane difficulties to get this chance. Will the wonders never cease? As John Mark alluded, I'm going to discuss some controversies that Warner Brothers encountered surrounding the Barbie movie. Sadly, she's a Barbie girl living in a non-Barbie world. The first problem discussed on CNN and other news sources during the first week of August relates to someone's very sloppy use of the firm's Twitter, now X, account set up to promote Barbie. The account sparked a firestorm because the account used various memes, albeit unofficial ones, that appeared to depict the character immersed in an atomic blast imagery from the film Oppenheimer. Another blockbuster film that was released at the same time as Barbie by a different studio uh, that led to the uh, the name <coughs> Barbenheimer, which you know, do with that what you want. As you might expect, given it is the only country to ever have suffered atomic attacks, the post sparked controversy in Japan and strong public criticism of Warner Brothers by its Japanese subsidiary. According to CNN, the subsidiary called the tweets from the official U.S. account inconsiderate and demanded a response. And if you know Japan, you'd know that is a very strong reaction. In response, Warner Brothers Film Group deleted the offending tweets and apologized, saying, Warner Brothers regrets its recent insensitive social media engagement. The studio offers a sincere apology. Following the offending tweets, a counter hashtag, no Barbenheimer gained huge popularity on Japanese social media with people using it to attack the Barbie account link linking of the two movies. On top of this Reuters reported the Reuters reported say that 10 times fast 
that a petition was circulated calling on Hollywood studios to disavow a grassroots marketing movement that made light of nuclear holocaust. Specifically, petitioners wanted to see an end to the use of the hashtag Barbenheimer. Despite the backlash and some calls for a boycott of the film, a later Reuters story reported ticket sales in Japan for the mega movie were brisk, with movie attendees focusing on the movie and its message, rather than the insensitive Twitter posts that had sparked controversy. On the other hand, the box office take in Japan for Barbie seems to be rather anemic. Hard to tell if political risk is alive and well, or if Bar- if the Barbie movie just did not resonate in Japan. The Middle East also created challenges for the movie, though the situation varied across the region. According to the Financial Times, Kuwait banned the film completely, arguing, arguing that it went against religious values and morality and promoted homosexuality and sexual transformation. Is it Kuwait or is it Florida? I don't know. <laughs> Um, (laughs) intriguingly the movie also stirred up considerable moral outrage in lebanon perplexingly and for reasons unclear to us bahrain Qatar, saudi arabia and the united arab emirates which are more conservative than lebanon all allowed the movie to open warner brothers offered no response per the financial times now maybe lebanon tried to stir up uh, moral outrage to distract from the fact that the uh, government and the central bank has basically turned it into a failed state. Uh, but that's another show. Uh, on the, on a related topic of film censorship, though, not Barbie, it was noted in a South China Morning Post story appearing on July 27th that the U.S. Congress is considering a bill called Stopping Communist Regimes from Engaging in Edits Now Act or Screen Act. And if you could ever get a job coming up with these uh, ridiculous titles and uh, acronyms, you've really done something. I do love these names, though. Uh, the act would obligate companies to report to the U.S. Depart- U.S. State Department films that have been submitted to Beijing for approval for screening in China before accessing Department of State funding or support. Furthermore, these films have to submit an agreement that they will not alter the film's content per China's request. Beyond this, the bill would prevent the U.S. government from assisting studios with film production if the movie is co-produced by a Chinese company, or if the Secretary of State deems that a studio acted in compliance with Beijing's censorship within a certain period of time. California Representatives Brad Sherman and Sidney Sidney Kamlager-Dove both issued negative statements about this bill, which narrowly squeaked through the House Foreign Affairs Committee on a party-line vote, but has not been put to a vote in the full House yet. After a short intermission, we'll shift back to a familiar voice on California MNCs and international affairs. The dulcet tones of my partner in crime are coming your way. You're up, John Mark. Let's get it.
Hey, Doug, solid job with the MNCs. Maybe we'll give you another chance in the future. I got to be honest, though, I was suffering withdrawal symptoms the whole time you were speaking. Really? Really? In late July and early August, coverage of California MNCs and international relations included numerous stories about California tech giants removing the links to Canadian news sites sites from search engines like Google Search and social media platforms like Facebook because the Canadian Parliament passed a law called the Online News Act obligating major online platforms like Google and Meta to pay news outlets to share their stories. Per a story in the July 29 edition of The Hill, Google's President of Global Affairs, Kent Walker, criticized the law as, quote, unworkable, end quote, and, quote, creates uncertainty for our products and exposes us to uncapped financial liability simply for facilitating Canadians' access to news from Canadian publishers, end quote. The story in the August 2nd edition of the Japan Times noted that the purpose of the legislation, which was similar to legislation that passed in Australia, was to support, quote, a struggling Canadian news sector that has seen a flight of advertising dollars and hundreds of closed publications, end quote. The legislation forces tech firms to strike, quote, fair commercial deals with Canadian outlets for the news and information that is shared on their platforms or face binding arbitration, end quote. There are hopes the bill might generate $250 million a year for Canadian newspapers. In the same story, Meta derided the bills as based on the, quote, incorrect premise that Meta benefits unfairly from news content shared on our platforms when the reverse is true, end quote. A Canadian minister quickly retorted that the big online tech platforms were raking in quite a bit of online advertising from their sharing of the news. A story by Bloomberg in mid-July suggests the Canadian government is willing to negotiate to ensure that the large number of Canadians drawing news from online platforms continues to have an opportunity to do so. Ottawa's flexibility is understandable since many Canadians actually want it to strike down the law. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Canadian legislation seems to have backfired, while Australian legislation seems to have worked. Well, the battle to get tech firms California, in California and elsewhere to pay for news ain't just a thing in Canada and Australia. A Mercury News piece on July 7th notes that the California state legislature also has been trying to get tech platforms to pay news publishers, albeit with little success. 
The lack of progress is hardly surprising, given very heavy lobbying by tech firms, which literally are in the backyard of California legislators as well as the platforms. Very strong threats to pull news from their platforms. The said legislation seems to be stalled in the California Senate, whereas it has done rather well in the Assembly. We'll keep on top of news about these vanishing news links. Of course, (laughs) Doug and I may not be able to find them if the California's legislature moves forward with its regulatory initiatives and the tech platforms opt to remove these links from Google search. And now we turn to the fourth and final segment of our show. I guess I'm up again. Welcome to segment four. I'll finish this episode with two more short news stories and then provide some concluding remarks. On August 3rd, per a story in Nikkei Asia, Japan's foreign ministry requested that X users, that users of the former Twitter, not the punk band, stop paying attention to a, quote, fake account impersonating one of its top foreign exchange diplomats, end quote. The ministry also requested that X suspend the fake account, which has 5,000 or so followers, but oddly has made no comments about the Japanese yen or financial markets. Yeah, you got to wonder about those users since it's supposed to be picked out by one of the top foreign exchange diplomats, but they're not deleting it, even though they it says nothing about the subject it's supposed to be addressing. Updating a story that we discussed in last month's podcast, the Malaysian Communication and Multimedia Commission, MCMC, apparently has decided not to punish Facebook for failing to deal with problematic content relating to areas such as race, royalty, religion, online gambling, and scams. The July 28th story in Reuters that highlighted this new development stated that the MCMC backed off its earlier position because it had received a firm commitment that Facebook, Malaysia's largest social media platform, would cooperate with Malaysian authorities to address problematic content. Well, that's a wrap. Short indeed. Thanks for listening. I once again want to thank the Wong MNC Center for its support that made possible our coverage of California MNCs and international relations. I reiterate that none of the content of any part of this podcast reflects the official position of the Wong MNC Center or its board of directors. Doug and I look forward to getting back next month to covering the trials and tribulations of California's congressional delegation.